Life is Sweet podcast here again today. It's April 23rd, 2023. Mm-hmm. It's been a while since the last one. It has. I do not remember when we did it last. I don't either. It was in... Because after the trip? March? Nope. We it didn't... was before the trip. Really? It okay. was after the baby. I think we only did one. Oh, wow. Okay. Maybe one or two. <laughs> Who knows? It doesn't matter. We're not keeping track. Uh, we don't remember the last time we recorded. We don't know when we're going to record again, but I we're, we're create... feeling like talking today. I have created a false memory of us doing one about the trip. <gasps> we might have a Jill is, or Jill is here, obviously, and uh, Liz is here as well. They're obviously. sharing yeah. the, they're sh- sharing a mic today. <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, one of us has a shoe in our mouth. Uh, you have to guess which one it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, That's the one. Okay, so we haven't talked about the trip. So we haven't talked about the trip. Pod. Okay. So we have, uh, like, I've uh, roughly three things that we could talk about today. Right. There's Baby gonna, stuff, there's trip gonna stuff. There's going to be yelling, just uh, FYI. Yeah, not just for me, from the baby this time. <laughs> uh, yeah, baby stuff, trip stuff miscellaneous yeah so what's been let's say theoretically we last recorded something like i don't know three or four months ago uh what's but what's our life been like since then obviously it's april now last time we would have done our recording would have been winter it would have been a lot colder it's still not that nice out no uh i think our like life's post road trip um it feels like more routine i think we've um been able to like liz has settled into more of a routine and we have been able to um kind of after after the trip um so that's kind of been the the theme for me i guess what's this trip that you keep referring to like what's after the trip what it's, this what is timeline so funny is because like i have what's obviously a very distinct false memory of us like <laughs> doing a podcast about the trip um okay so we went on a really big road trip um well john was the uh architect and uh main planner of this road trip my condition for going on the road trip with the baby was i don't want to have to plan it and uh john stepped in and took the reins and uh organized us a a great road trip so we originally kind of thought about camping and then um i don't know that felt like to me that felt like too much like doing our first camping with the baby um, in another country so far away. And then John did the research and we figured out that if we went uh, during the off season, yeah, good shoe, hey? Uh, If we went during the off season, kind of end of February and caught the cheap rates uh, in the hotels, we could still do our road trip um, and have it be like reasonably affordable um so uh yeah we drove down this is kind of like it's kind of like based on the road trip we had planned uh just as the pandemic was starting up um where we were going to go down drive to over the rockies to utah and um then we were going to go to moab and then down to uh santa fe the grand canyon and then santa fe um, but John did a lot of research and um, based it on sort of the grand circle plan. And uh, yeah, so we drove down to Denver and that's right. And then over the Rockies to Moab and then kind of in a big loop um, through the big five, 
Utah State Parks over to uh, through, I guess, Capitol Reef, Bryce Canyon, down to Zion, and then down to Vegas. And we went to Death Valley. Um, that was probably my biggest box I wanted to check. Did you mention Arches and Canyonlands? Oh, yeah. Arch- we started with Arches and Canyonlands around Moab. And then, uh, yeah, down there, uh, a couple days in, in Vegas, uh, out to Death Valley for a day. And then we went over to uh, the, Grand, the Grand Canyon. That's right. Yep. The Grand Canyon. And then um, up to Page, Arizona. And then uh, drove through the Navajo Nation in Arizona and Utah, Monument Valley, and uh, back up through up through Utah to, to Moab, start stopping at a few places along the way. So that's like the overview. And then we like circled back to Moab and then over the Rockies to Denver and kind of just retraced our steps uh, back back home. The weather was a little too dicey to get too adventurous um, going through the Rockies or going up uh, kind of byways on the plains it made the most sense to stick to stick to the interstate for for those parts of of things so that's just like the bare bones sketch of of where we went if you're a person who is personally friends with us uh you see many many instagram posts and pictures and it's kind of like old news uh to you (laughs) yeah um i guess we um, kind of started late March and just into the first week of, sorry, late February and into the first week of March. Um, still, we kind of caught that edge of the off season. Uh, when we looped back around to Moab in the, like at the end of the trip, uh, after the first week of March, you could really tell that like it wasn't in full swing, but there was definitely more people. The weather had gotten much, much nicer um and the park we went back to arches and it was noticeably quite a bit busier um than when we'd been there two weeks two and a half weeks previous so how come we went why did we go back to arches why did we do arches twice (laughs) uh well uh we encountered horrific uh i guess by desert standards weather it was it was pretty wild even for um i guess even for us uh, weather when we, we got to Moab, I, like our drive out was fine. We had nice weather, uh, driving down and through the Rockies. And then we kind of scooted into Moab just as, uh, a really big weather, winter weather system hit, uh, kind of the West coast. I think it was causing even more trouble in, in California. Um, but we caught it too. So the day, the first day we went out, we went to arches, there was like 60 mile per hour winds and uh it was kind of like snowing sideways and it was yeah just gray it was cold uh we didn't take liz out of the car until the end of the day when things kind of quieted down um and uh so the weather yeah it sucked we would take turns scuttling out to the various arches and uh and snapping our photos but the upshot was that um there was very few people in arches that day which even in the off season it's a busy park it's it's definitely one of the it's not the most visited is that zion is zion the most visited one i don't know 
I don't know. Zion and Arches, I think, are both the uh, the two most visited. Yeah. They're the ones that have, um, like, restrictions in the uh, high season. Yeah. Like, timed entry in Zion and shuttle only. Or, sorry, timed entry in Arches and shuttle only in Zion. Yeah. In the high season. Like, these are very, these are very popular parks. These are very... I don't know if, like, the uptick in interest in these parks, like the Utah... The Utah Parks is recent, if it's like an Instagram social media thing, or if there's been like a media, like a a media campaign by the by the Park Service or something to get people in there. Um, but I think like, it's a combination. it feels like this is a very trendy yeah. uh, thing to do right now. I think that I f- it feels like Arches is probably a combination of um, like a you know a tourism push, but it is just a very Instagram place because there's all these these geological forms lots of places to pose uh and whatnot and uh sorry i'm distracted because i'm like holding the milk bottle for liz like she's a little hamster uh beside me right now um but it yeah like my friend who lives down there in arizona had um had said that even in the off season, we would probably have to wait in a line, in a car line, to get into the park. Um, and uh, we didn't because the weather sucked so bad. We just zip straight in. Um, I don't think I saw more than like three or four people, other people at any given arch that I was at. Um, and sometimes you were completely alone at some of the arches. Uh, and so that was like... That was kind of special. That was, uh, I don't think very many people have that experience of being at Arches uh, with, you know, almost no one else there and this kind of like stormy winter weather blowing around. Um, But it was, it was kind of like, it wasn't constant. You'd get like patches of sun because it like, there was just these squalls blowing through. Um, So yeah, it was... uh, challenging from a baby perspective just felt bad for liz because she was really in her chair um a lot of the day she didn't really leave the car until the end of the day okay i'm just sorry i'm just gonna pause so i can (laughs) put the baby into a more optimal drinking position here um sure you can take it up take up the narrative and then what would you what did we do after arches uh we went home yeah (laughs) we left we're done so we were like, I don't know, th- roughly three weeks on the road uh, with a baby and uh, road tripping with a baby. This is a big experiment. Mm-hmm. It, I mean, I don't know why we decided to do sort of like the Grand American road trip as an experiment <laughs> for traveling with a baby. I think a lot of it was, um, uh, it was something that we had planned to do before the pandemic. So it was on the uh, to-do list yeah. still, but delayed by a bunch of years not that it was like you know burning a hole in our brains to get to get there and do it but uh you're also like on on mat leave and we had the yeah. opportunity to go during the off, off season. season yeah uh for you know this could be our only opportunity to go um yeah, other teachers... than like in the summertime where yeah. it's uh like hot as hell and uh, also like crowded to an extent that would make you know Edward Abbey insane. I think that was uh, the biggest thing was just that that opportunity when you're a teacher, you 
you know, your traveling is, is all done during high season, you know, your winter break, your spring break, your summer, and um, just going to, being able to go to a park like Arches, which is quite difficult to get into even in the off season, uh, if the weather is nice, uh, just being able to do that, um, have a little more flexibility and freedom uh, was an opportunity that uh, I knew I'd, I'd regret it if I um, balked completely. Um, and so that's kind of what finally tipped me into into wanting to do it. And then thinking like, oh, yeah, this would be, you know, the perfect time to go to somewhere like Death Valley um, and to <laughs> I, I think I envisioned us enjoying a lot more warm above zero days than we did uh but it was still it was still nice um and uh yeah i i think we better than winnipeg in february exactly yeah um and uh you know we we want liz to be ready uh used to road trips right like right from the start just have that um that stamina built in um, so that she's just able to come along and, and, uh, like, you know, we have to adapt, but, um, she also has to like develop and adapt, uh, within that, um, sort of context. And, uh, yeah, so that's, we, we, um, compromised by not camping and it's good that we didn't because Utah got like the most snow it's ever gotten, I think in in recorded history this winter. Yeah. So places that normally you can winter camp, <laughs> that's right. Um were were even a lot more snowy or or colder than they usually are. So um it was good that we didn't. <laughs> yeah, cuz it was below zero and mm-hmm. uh, baby in the tent below zero was something that we were not going to be equipped for no and renting one of those camper vans is pretty pricey so yeah this is the the way to do it and um john found us was uh very good at finding us sort of the um good hotel deals uh and uh prioritize free hot breakfast folks yeah absolutely that's That's my booking advice uh wherever you can get best breakfast Definitely the uh, Holiday Inn Express in Zion. I'd say that is like was the top tier free breakfast experience. I, that was my favorite hotel. Oh yeah, mine, yeah. mine too by far. Like yeah. Hol- Holiday Inn Zion. There's a shout out for you. It's um, it's nice. It's like a lodge. Yeah. Um. <laughs> great uh, view. Great, great views. Hot tub. Hot tub. Fire pits. Even. Uh, you can see, you know, it's still like, it's in the canyon. Yeah. Like right outside the gates. Yeah. Uh, you know, we're not, uh, we're not repping like the, uh, the little, uh, chic, uh, boutique, boutique hotels here. No. Chains all the way. It's the way to go. And Airbnb, Airbnbs, I think our, their time is over. Yeah. Uh, there's just not really, unless you're traveling in a big group and you need like to all stay together in one in one place and you're renting a whole house yeah. uh there's not really a point for airbnbs anymore yeah we didn't hotels even, is where is that we didn't even look at it hey guys yeah i know i looked a little bit but there was no airbnb that was going to be comparable yeah to a hotel for the price honestly yeah, exactly. i found a few interesting places where you could pay a little bit more to have a little bit more of a, a unique experience right. say like 
uh, glamping in a box canyon or, you know, with, you know, the, uh, the owners, the Airbnb owners are, seem like interesting people in an interesting location there. Then I think like it might be worth it, but like, uh, for us, uh, budget, uh, budget limited travelers wanting to travel, but not having a lot of money, uh, like chains are the way to go chain hotels that is but of course if you want to travel cheaply while you're down there you can if you have a camper van you can just camper van your way around and like you know stop and camp for camp for free uh in loads of places and you definitely saw people uh doing that there's obviously like a big uh you know outdoorsy cyclist uh off-roady camper van life uh, mm-hmm. scene going on down there oh, like yeah. if you want to get in on that if you want if you're retired or not even it's sort of like your uh your summer fun time or yeah a couple weeks out of the year you can go down to the southwest and just like hang out basically yeah uh on the cheap for as long as you want but uh yeah the uh the baby wasn't really a restriction for us for our adventuring either it was definitely more so more so the weather. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the weather dictating our accommodations and what sort of activities we're, we were going to be able to do Yeah. on any given day, like the, like the first day in Arches. Wasn't a write-off, but it was really difficult. It was yeah. a blizzard. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and if you've seen our Instagram photos, you know, they're not the bright red uh, mid- rocks and the majestic yeah, sunshine. It's of the gray. It's gray. <laughs> it's gray and dark and... and uh, and it's very moody. I I really liked the atmosphere. Yeah. And uh, our day in Canyonlands, the Island of the Sky District was very much the same. So yeah. like, uh, if there was one place where I think like we didn't give, we're, we weren't able to to give uh, a fair shake, it was probably uh, Canyonlands. Yeah. Oh yes. But like, yeah, the weather will dictate what you're what you're going to be able to do, and obviously like the time of the time of year so you, and it, weather's not going to be perfect yeah anyway no matter what it's a high so you desert take what you can, so it is gonna be you're you just know, gonna wintry. take it but um take yeah what you can get. i guess i kind of jumped the gun talking about breakfast but yeah from from moab from uh, arches and canyonlands we uh scootled back up to the interstate and then went over um and got off quickly onto a highway that took us down to um capitol reef another one of the national parks and the drive was incredible. I got to drive that piece uh, and it was just a really enjoyable piece of driving and just no one it was a single lane highway, but there was, I think we saw maybe three other vehicles the entire way. Uh, it was just very quiet. Uh, not a lot of people around. Um, and uh then we drove down to, yeah, to Capitol Reef, um, sort of the least visited of of the national parks in Utah. Uh, it's it's more out of the way. It's not on the interstate. You have to get off. And uh, it's kind of like in the middle of, of all of the big ones. And um, so that was fun. We, we didn't stay there. We just uh, stopped. That was kind of our, our stopping point. But there's petroglyphs. There's um, an old Mormon settlement with orchards that's been taken over by the National Park. 
and then we drove up there's a scenic drive and then there's the option if it's not in flood you can drive up uh the great wash um and so we were lucky it, it wasn't there was no risk of flash flooding at that moment and so we drove up and were able to see um kind of just get a little further back in um it seems like a place that would actually be really great for camping if you went down when it was more the on season uh just because it's you know you're at a higher altitude it is it it's probably quite warm i mean it's an or the place where they grow fruit um but it's very dark sky it's it's far from any city it has very little light pollution uh there's signs kind of everywhere talking about that so it seems like it's a place that's very popular with uh stargazers and and people who if you're interested in in bats or other just sort of like I, I just think it would probably be a very cool place to camp for a couple of days just to go for night hikes or, um, you know, hang out and, and uh, stargaze with your kids or what have you. Um, and it's just, it's small, but it's it was pretty neat. Didn't spend too, we were there a couple hours, I guess, maybe. Yeah, we didn't camp there. We just yeah. uh, drove through on our way to Bryce. So we can't give you a full overview of what... No. Capital Reef is like, but uh, um, you'll have to go explore it on your own. We m probably would again if we went back, but yeah, um, you definitely get the sense as you're driving through southern Utah, like, you know, why do they pick one place to be a national park and another place not? A lot of it seems to be like the same amount of spectacular scenery, like it's yeah. all uh, quite beautiful if you like canyons and... Like canyons and mountains and range, whatever, yeah, uh, desert stuff, plants, uh, ancient petroglyphs, mm -hmm. ruins. That's kind of like all around there. And then the national parks are kind of like why, yeah, why Capitol Reef and not like the stuff in between Capitol Reef and Bryce. But there's also like there's national monuments, yeah, there's national forests. A lot of that is a there's national so, monument. It's basically too. all a big. It's all parkland. Yeah, and it's all being administered administrated by a bunch of different a lot of its public agencies land. yeah and lots of its federal land bureau of land management uh like there's not uh there's not a lot of like human activity going around there other yeah. than like people driving from you know from park to park yeah or and just like just hanging out you could definitely spot a few mormon compounds or like off-gridder sort of acreages yeah there's definitely that here that and there feel too. like you and wouldn't you i'm not a... sure i'd want my car to break down uh in some of those <laughs> spots i don't know like mormons are <laughs> i mean i'm sure they're very nice but yeah. you get the sense you understand why the mormons came here because there's nothing yeah you're there's nothing here you really uh there's you've got your space you've got space maybe you're doing some uh some ranching Back in the day, you're planting your orchard. You have like your little, your little settler compound uh, that is like, I guess after the uh, after the uh, indigenous people went away mysteriously. Yeah. Um, but then uh, after that happens, then you know it's a it's a nice place to get away from, uh, you know, from civilization, the authorities, and do your Mormon stuff, whatever whatever that is. <laughs> yeah. We won't go, go into that here, but like it's very Mormony, yeah. very Mormony. 
And uh, yeah, so from Capitol Reef, uh, John took over and did the very, very scenic drive uh, through the Dixie National Forest and uh, the Grand Escalante, Grand Staircase Escalante Monument. I think it's called like Scenic Byway 12. It's Highway 12. Uh, It's probably one of the most, it is one of the most scenic uh, drives you can take in north america it has like a special classification yeah all i forget american what it's called an all-american highway. road yeah uh yeah that's pretty spectacular definitely rem- uh i would definitely recommend that if you're traveling by motor vehicle between capitol reef and bryce canyon probably either way there's a section called the hogs back <laughs> liz remembers remembers that portion uh i don't think she does i remember it yeah you remember it <laughs> Um, where you're basically like traveling on top of a, uh, like a mountain ridge. Yeah. Uh, with, uh, like sheer drops on either side. No. I have no idea how they built this no highway. No guardrails. So no, no guardrails. No you can look guard it up rails. on YouTube, like Highway 12, Utah, Hogsback. Um, there's like, you know, tons of switchbacks. There's like 14% grades at one point. Yeah. We're in our like little Hyundai Elantra hatchback yeah and it's doing fine it's yeah it's great but like if you're on like a motorcycle or something like a little roadster or whatever uh that's the kind of highway that yeah you would you would have died and gone to heaven to drive that highway maybe if you uh <laughs> if you drive off the side of the ho- hogs back you might actually die oh yeah for sure um i neither of us knew that this was going to happen um we were just like i guess like oh yeah this is the road that takes you to bryce canyon it'll be scenic and so we drove up uh sort of the grand staircase and there's a huge overview which was super beautiful beautiful forest the snow was super deep very scenic and then um i was uh in the back seat with liz on my phone looking at google maps just sort of checking out where we were and I guess we popped out of the forest onto this hog's back. And John says, like, hey, check this out. And I don't love heights. Um, I don't like driving in the sky. And I look up and we're on this road and there is nothing on either side of the road. Uh, Literally in the sky. Like, I. On the top of a mountain range. All of my being, like, clenched. I. But I was backseat with the baby, and I was like, well, I can't scream uh, because John's driving. I don't need him to, like, swerve off the road (laughs) because I'm screaming and I want to. Uh, So I held myself together, but I definitely wished that I had not looked up. Um,. I I looked back down, and uh, once we kind of got down a little further um, onto the switchbacks or just, like, just off the ridge, uh, then I could look a little more. Liz didn't care. I couldn't have cared less. She's a baby. She doesn't understand what's up. But uh, I was like, okay, I got to keep my cool. Don't want baby to know that I'm uh, terrified right now. Um, but John, I was like, John's having a blast. Uh, well, you didn't cry, so I was impressed. Yeah, I wanted to. <laughs> it was scary. If I had been driving, that would have been a bad news. It's good that you were driving. It was great. I it, was, it was great because we both didn't know yeah. what this uh, scenic drive thing was all uh, it was, was all uh, about. It was very scenic. Um, 
Yeah, so, I mean, it was cool, but uh, I, yeah, I, I would definitely want to uh, be the passenger were I to do it again. Um, <laughs> and maybe not bring my baby. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> then there was, like, uh, yeah, there's just, like, there's two little towns um obviously just sort of boarded up because it was tourist low season and then we got to bryce canyon uh which just around i don't know just around sunset hey uh yeah we did two nights in bryce canyon uh very beautiful it's that was our first like really nice day on the trip the day like the full day we were at bryce we did the navajo loop trail yeah we did the navajo loop trail with our one full day in bryce canyon that's basically all you really need sunshine you get down into the amphitheater bryce canyon's all about very big golden uh hoodoo formations all very googleable we don't have to go into super detail about how particularly beautiful it all is uh or what sort of geological formations you're seeing but uh it's worth it yeah it was beautiful uh would go again absolutely yeah you liked it too yeah you got to live that was the day liz like really got to come out more and she was a uh, backpack on john's back and um she was along for the whole trek she's a yeah. real, tra- real champ i guess this is the logistics of how we did most of our days with the baby is uh Get up at the hotel, have breakfast there, load up in the car, drive to your park, you know, sort of pick for hiking. So we're hiking and walking. Yeah. So that's what we're set up to do. We have a, like a little uh, baby carrier. We plop baby in the baby carrier. We've got our water and our snacks. And then we just like wander around the uh, most beautiful scenery uh, we've ever seen. Yeah. Uh, just mind blowing beauty. Yeah. And then go back to uh go back to the little tourist town do for not, supper do not go, go to, sleep, to anything at the ruby's company town that is directly outside of bryce canyon if you should ever find yourself there you might have to go it, you might you don't have really to. have a choice Ugh. in the bryce canyon city they should basically just call it like uh, rubyville yeah it's awful. Everything's um, owned by this go to the other company towns. called Ruby or whatever. Yeah, in in the little towns, uh, you'll find like maybe an actual cafe or at the very least a for real gas station um, and something edible. Like the Rubies, I went in there on my own and it was just a, a wasteland um, of overpriced whatever. Uh, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't... That was pretty awful, but um, the town surrounding there's there's cute little restaurants. We got some great barbecue uh, in Tropic, um, one of the nearby towns. So if Tropic you, or Panguitch? Panguitch? How? Yeah, I'm not sure if we're. I I'm sure we're not saying it. I never had a. But I, you can look it up. I'd Those are the go, two towns you want to be. Yeah. In. And uh, so Bryce was was lovely, and then we tootled on down to Zion. Uh, we personally. Uh, we stayed at the roadway in there. Oh yeah, outside of Bryce, uh, which you know I would probably recommend as like your best, cheapest bet for accommodations, especially in the off season because there's not a lot going on there. Uh, the roadway in, it's definitely seen better days, but the proprietors are very nice, and it did the job, and it was definitely fit the budget. 
which is the uh, most important thing. Let's get this baby put down, and then we'll keep going. Okay, so after after Bryce, we're obviously moving from the east to the west across southern Utah, Mm -hmm. right above the Colorado River and its many canyons and gorges. Yeah. And what's the... uh, the next thing that you hit zion yeah so the last uh last of the utah parks uh that we uh or the national parks anyways um that we visited it was uh again it's one of those places uh that during the on season is incredibly busy you are not allowed to drive through the park you have to use the shuttle system uh you have to be booked well in advance to go to Zion um, in the high season. And uh, there is camping. Um, I know people who've done that as well. But uh, yeah, you've got to be on your game to visit on the high season. Um, So it it was uh, an opportunity that we would get to drive ourselves uh, through the park and experience it with um, less people. There's still people around, but it it didn't feel like an overwhelming number of people. Uh, We were always able to park. We were always able to, you know, get ourselves around. Um, It felt like a very comfortable level of of busyness. And uh, it was, I mean, spectacular, different um, from Bryce, kind of like a darker red, like iron kind of rock. Um, But you're down in the valley. the first walk we did down sort of the um, path that leads to the Narrows, um, it was really nice because it was kind of like the first, uh, I don't know, hint of like, I don't know, spring. Like there was there was springs, like water springs, but there was like greenery, um, especially around the springs. There were ferns and things already starting to grow and you could smell the earth and, and growing things. Um, but there was still like lots of snow and, uh, birds around. It smelled like, um, for me, Zion, the smell was what I, I really like, I don't know, remember or really enjoyed the most about being there. Uh, it was just like a very fresh, like you could smell the juniper trees that were everywhere in the air. And I loved that part of, of the park. Yeah, so that we we kind of did the uh, walk down the narrows the first day. Um, we drove through the. Hey, I'm going to clarify here. You can't. Oh yeah. We didn't walk Up down the to narrows. The so narrows. The, uh, Zion heads, the people who have seen the YouTube videos and the Instagrams, <laughs> the people wearing the hip waders. Yeah. And uh, yeah, walking do down that. the narrows, we didn't do that. No. So we walked the preliminary bit, the right. walk to the narrows. Yeah. Just to just to clarify, we aren't like super Instagrammers and we no. aren't like, uh, Zion is one of the big like um, Instagram places. The yeah. Narrows and Angel's Landing are probably uh, two of the most famous hikes in the United States right now. So I want to be clear, we didn't walk the Narrows and no. we also did not walk <laughs> Angel's Landing. No. Um, the day after we did the uh, hike to scouts lookout right which is it's the majority of the angels landing yeah hike. it's the angels landing hike except you don't go on the chains bit yeah at the end which we weren't going to do no with the baby and it being february and it's very and the the trail was very slick yes yeah and i see there were people doing the chains yeah bit, which if you're if you've seen it you know what it is if you don't know what it is it's um uh, to complete the Angel's Landing hike, you have to walk 
across a narrow spit of rock, basically, that's a thousand feet above the canyon floor. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are chains in the middle of this neck of, of rock yeah. that you hang on to to keep yourself from like slipping and falling to your death, which people inevitably do uh, from time to time. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a sign at the beginning of the hike that says how many people have... <laughs> have died on the hike yeah since the 2000s or whatever it's like i don't know between like depending on when the data is i don't know 14 or 22 people so i don't know give or take like one a year yeah uh but like hundreds of thousands of people do this yeah hike every year so honestly the death rate is uh lower than driving your car in winnipeg or whatever (laughs) or being a (laughs) riding a bike in winnipeg yeah, I'm sure the death rate is much higher than the Angels Landing hike, but it's not really something you wanna you wanna take chances with. No. There was a uh, a girl there who was who I met uh, waiting for someone to come back from the Angels Landing bit, who said that she had tried it, but she had slipped on the ice Oof. and had to grab onto a tree <laughs> to keep from falling over uh, the edge to her doom. Oh. So I was like, cool. Yeah, uh, I'm not gonna do that. Uh, <laughs> I think I would if the weather conditions were uh, were better, and if I didn't have like uh, Liz and Jill waiting for me. Yeah, it doesn't seem that scary if the weather's good, and also the people are the main danger. Yeah, uh, on these, other people on these hikes too, because if you've seen the YouTube videos, uh, even though you have to reserve a spot on the hike now because the hike is so overcrowded, but even with the reserve system, it is full up with people yeah and i'm sure there's queue jumpers and people who don't bother getting the reservation yeah uh and whatnot although they do have like a ranger posted in the summer in the summer at the chains portion for the last checking to see if you have a yeah have a reservation so i think it's safe enough yeah uh, to do it doesn't look honestly it doesn't look that scary once you're up there the youtube (laughs) videos basically make it look differ they make it look a lot more scary than it is, honestly, <laughs> to me. I think you could do it. I'm a middle-aged. I'm a middle-aged man. I'm not. We're not, also not in the best of shape. So just getting up to Scouts Lookout was a bit of a yeah a workout for us. Mm-hmm. And we're Flatlanders, but there's not any elevation where we live. We live in the bathtub yeah bottom of North America. Well, the trail there's is nothing. pretty much so all switchbacks. This was yeah. It's all the way up. Walking uphill, it's not fun. You're like huffing and puffing and sweating all the way up. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the view that you get re- rewarded with once you get to the top. When you also had like, uh, you know, you had the baby as a backpack. John was ahead of me most of the time. Um, I had a backpack with all the stuff in it, which once I was like three quarters of the way up, I realized uh, I needed I need to own a more ergonomic hiking backpack. Um but uh yeah john john got up there before me and then um and then waited for me at the top uh people seemed surprised that we had brought a baby up there <laughs> um but all but she I don't did think not not because it's dangerous there's no danger no. portion on the way up but i think just because it's it has the reputation of being like a strenuous hike because of switchbacks all yeah. the way up and we're in i'm gonna say like uh not super great shape like no we're not especially not after the winter so like when we say that we're hiking we mostly are like going for leisurely walks of various lengths which is all that like a hike is so i think what i'm getting at is like 
if you're also not in the greatest shape, like if you if you have good footwear yeah. and you're prepared for the conditions and you don't mind like sweating and huffing and puffing, uh, a bit of exercise, like yeah. you can do any of mm-hmm. these hikes. You don't have to be, you don't have to have expensive equipment. You don't have to be, you know, uh, a fitness person. No, we just you, had can, slip on you can just be ons. like an, a regular person yeah. and go to these places and do these hikes they're, honestly like they're relatively short i've been yeah. on more way more strenuous hikes here in like in manitoba well, in, in, the the, Rockies. in the white shell yeah i would say but like for length anyways yeah i think a lot of people uh people might get intimidated at least like i do a little bit when you see the height when you see the height and then you see like the people on the hikes who are decked out in their like patagonia and right. columbia and north yeah. face stuff and they're all being very very like serious about yeah. it like this is a, a very something that we were taking very seriously and only you know only a certain elect people uh, get to do these things or are in have the equipment or are in good enough shape it's like no you could wear you know sneakers and jeans but we also like <laughs> if ab- the weather is fine you, you absolutely saw like uh there was definitely and if, you pay, and if you pace yourself like you can regular people can do it and that's and uh, and, ra- and middle-aged people and parents and you can take your baby in your backpack too. or if you're like some european teenagers or early 20 somethings uh you can just do it in your denim jacket and uh hit like clam digger pants and of your course. sneakers yeah if you're a teenager though like <laughs> i mean you can do these hikes in anything you don't you don't care yeah i think like we saw like a younger uh french couple in yeah. there like the designer uh city wear urban wear yeah, the guy just <laughs> popped up in like a t-shirt yeah uh and, his, and then like, they thrifted sweater and you're puffing on your cigarettes as you're uh, absolutely as you're going up and down oh to be young again yeah so yeah whatever go out and do it the kids are doing it yeah yeah and, and the uh the old people are doing it too Lots i mean of we had people. we had john got us like these slip-on crampons um which were wonderful i think i would have been 20 bucks on amazon i think um doing something but they're like, very useful I yeah would use bryce them here canyon in, would have been tough without them i would use I them here in the city honestly for just walking on the yeah. sidewalks in winnipeg yeah they're not crampons uh, or they're whatever. like micro spikes just yeah. to be clear if someone goes and tries to find them yeah they're not super crampons they're They're not crampons they're little micro spikes and those little micro spike things you slip them on the bottom of your shoe and they did uh, the trick like your traction improves like a A lot i don't know hundreds of percent yeah a lot uh and in like the slippery slushy conditions in in zion that's yeah the end of february where it's it's above zero but there's still like a lot of ice and slush like that was I think that was, it was what we needed. It was nice. Um, I liked it because uh, it was definitely by far the most strenuous thing I've done since I had the baby. Right. And um, it like, even though, it, you know, it was tough, but like, I I felt good the next day. I didn't feel uh, destroyed uh, physically. Um, so I... I... I My knees were worse for, worse for wear. Yeah, you had I felt it for... Uh, even after we got back, for a couple of weeks after we got yeah. back. Yeah. So I will say, if you're uh, 40-something, going up and down, uh, especially going down. Yeah. Uh, maybe little, some uh, hiking poles right. yeah. would be helpful at your age. I probably will bring some uh, next time I'm doing any sort of uh, uh, ele- elevation walking. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's a lot of uh, 
that's a lot of compression pressure on the old uh, yeah take care joints. of your knees take, take care, care of your knees yeah um yeah i think like the backs of my calves were uh i could feel it but it wasn't like pain um so i was i was pleased uh about that i was i'd been a i guess we'd already done a big a big hike but i um that was one of the things i was worried about was uh i haven't hadn't done anything super strenuous uh since recovering from the c-section so i didn't know how i was gonna do um and uh you know while i was pregnant um it was hard to be active towards the end when i got so big and and what have you so um that felt really good to to really be active and and um get those nice big hikes in uh i really enjoyed that part i'll say also uh, anywhere in southern utah on the i think it's called the colorado plateau um like elevation is an issue mm-hmm. in in the southwest um like you're very high up you're between like five thousand and ten thousand feet up yeah uh which like for us down here in uh, the red river valley like uh i think we're what like hundred a couple hundred feet above sea level uh like ten thousand five thousand to ten thousand feet's no joke so yeah. like i was out of breath a lot of the time but you kind of you just uh you do breathe harder yeah it's something that you do notice but it what it didn't um it didn't hinder our activity what we we're doing but it's no. something you might want to uh take into account yeah. i like i have asthma so i had my inhaler with me and yeah. i don't think i took a puff i don't think so but you know we're definitely going slower than uh some of some of the other people on the trail yeah but uh given our age and we're hauling around a baby yeah like i think like that's the secret is i like, felt good about just, my trudging you just tr- pace yourself and <laughs> you can pretty much do uh, yeah. anything that's any sort any of these activities that's yeah. on that's on offer and uh if you're like uh if you're a heights averse person again i a and lot i of am stuff might and i i was you, okay um i thought scout look out that trail um I found it was wide enough that it was easy, uh, again, with it being less busy in the off season, it was easy to stick to the wall um, and uh, and away from the ledge. And I found that it didn't really trigger any of the uh, fear of height feelings uh, that I do sometimes get. So it just depends on the level of your fear of heights, I guess. Um, so I, I was able to do it and it was okay. Um, I think the difference with Zion is you're starting at the bottom of yeah. the canyon and going up. You can really For choose. other places, at Bryce, you're starting at the top of the canyon, going down, and then coming back up again. Yeah. At Canyonlands, the island in the Sky District, at least, like you're at the top. Yeah. Again, all these Very all these up. places are all are all about elevation. Yeah. And like depth, so yeah. like those are those are the main themes. Those are the main things that you're dealing with at all these places. Yeah. You're going up. And you're going down, and how do you how do you feel about like navigating going up and going down? How does your vehicle feel about navigating yeah. going up and going down? Uh, like it's uh, I don't know up and down. Yeah. The ma- that's the main theme of this <laughs> of this trip. Well, from Zion, uh, We're going, from from Zion, you're going down. Yeah. So we um, that was that was a, a nice drive. We drove um, out of Utah into Nevada. Um, into the Mojave and towards Vegas. And uh, yeah, it was a bit of a culture shock uh, going into Vegas, I found, just going from a string of national parks into the belly of the beast. What was that like? 
I didn't like, enjoy I think, it. Like, I think you have to put <laughs> you have to put Vegas on the itinerary because it's it's right there. Well, if you've never been there's, there, yeah. And if you've never been there, and there's also like uh, you got to get around the Grand Canyon because that's like a big scar in the earth between yeah. Utah and Arizona, and there's not really a lot of places where you can yeah. cross it or get around it. At the western uh, edge of your mm-hmm. grand of your circle, yeah, is Vegas. Yeah, the hotels are cheap. You, and that's where you start heading back east again. Yeah. So you're if you're not stopping in Vegas, you're conspicuously leaving Vegas out on purpose, which is fine if that's what you want to do. Yeah. But I think like I want to get I want to hear your take after my <laughs> ramble here. Yeah. But it's like in I think it's one of the necessary stops on this on this tour, on the nature tour. And it's sort of like it's the like it's the turning point of the trip basically. Like the hinge point as in it's just the farthest a bit of the circle. Yeah. From us, anyway. If you're coming from the w- east, going to the west. So, like, what's what's that like going from, like, the, like, really, like, deserted, uh, like, canyon land landscape where it's basically just, like, you and the road or you and the trail, you know, you and the vista, um, you and you and the desert. Right. Yeah, to the city of, city of sin. What's, what's it, that like? It felt bad, man. <laughs> okay, t- uh let's hear about it yeah it um i did not enjoy the feeling um as you drive into vegas from that direction uh there's also like is the interstate is strewn with garbage like you're in the desert you could see the joshua trees but it's just kind of grubby looking um like there's just trash everywhere. Uh, and like, as soon as you kind of get out of Utah, get out of the parks range, uh, you start to see, as soon as you're in Nevada, that there's like a little corner of Arizona you drive through. It's just, it's, it's a big trap for senior citizens uh, siphoning off their, their accumulated wealth. Uh, there's just casinos everywhere, uh, resorts with, uh, you know, incongruous palm trees everywhere uh and then yeah you drive into vegas and it's a a big american city but it's not that big um you can actually see from the distance that like physically vegas is not a huge city um but uh yeah you you get into the strip and um you've got all these theme hotels um and then uh it took us (laughs) The Luxor, I guess, is not a very... We stayed at the giant black pyramid because if you're going to go big, you know, go big or go home. Jill chose the Luxor. I did, yeah. I um, gave her a bunch of options. I, I wanted uh, I wanted to go to the big evil-looking pyramid. I thought that would be... If you're, you just, I think I would like give you credit in that like we decided if we're going to go to, the ve- to Vegas, we yeah. may as well try to get a Vegas experience. Yeah. And they'll sort of hold our noses and be like, we're too good for this. Yeah. Which we're not. We're not too good. No. Good for it. No. We don't have really any, you know, objection to Vegas existing other than, you know, other than it clearly shouldn't exist. It yeah. is an abomination on the face of the earth and uh, an example of everything that is uh, wrong with humanity. So the Luxor is, uh, it's a bit rough. But, but given that, yeah. like, you, can, you can enjoy it. I didn't right off the hop, I would say, um, but I did my best. 
uh, because it's, you know, it was part of the plan and it was the experience. So we stayed at the Luxor. We finally figured out how to get to the parking and get into the Luxor. And uh, the thing about some of the older, especially the older hotels and casinos in Vegas is that you can still smoke inside. Um, so, and, and all of them, um, there's no way to avoid the casino parts of these hotels. That's not what they're designed for. You cannot get to your room without passing or at least skirting the casino floor. Uh, there's no bypass. Um, so to get to, to get to the check-in and then to our room, we had to go through the casino floor. Um, and so if you have ever, uh, you know, maybe in the depths of your memories of the eighties or nineties, as a child, um, had a relative or your parents smoked inside, um, you'll be familiar with that vibe, um, but it also is mixed together with like the smell of like uh perfume of varying expenses the hotels the hotel also pipes in its own signature scent in all these <laughs> theme hotels as well it's yeah. like literally something that they do yeah so um to me it just smelled like you know going to your auntie's house in the 90s it just smelled like perfume and cigarette smoke <laughs> Yeah. It kind of looked like it. Um, what's the, so like, that's the scent yeah. sensation. What What's the sound and light? Uh, I mean, there's lights everywhere. On. It's all one, you know, trap, uh, big, flashy, colorful trap. Uh, but it's easy to kind of like, and there's a lot of people that. as well. There's a lot of people. So um, if, uh, people who are prone to, uh, may have like more sensitive nervous systems. Yeah. Prone to sensory overload. Uh, things like that people who it is i uh like a an assault on <laughs> yeah an all, full frontal assault on your body's like uh information processing yeah <laughs> systems to the point where uh, to get to the front desk and then to your hotel room is kind of like being in some sort of it's like it's a stupid well say it anyway it, it's like it's like being like dumped on the beaches of normandy and yeah, <laughs> I'm not uh, sure I'd go that far, but it wasn't. Uh, yeah, it it is like running sort of some sort of a gauntlet. It is some. It is a battle. It is like you're being like physically assaulted. Yeah. Uh, just to you know get to your hotel room, but and that's like sort of the interesting thing is like that's the selling point. That's yeah. the feature. That's yeah. the value add. That's why people go there, uh, which is really interesting i'm not even really criticizing it and no. i kind of wish that i could enjoy it but like my nervous system is not such that like yeah loud noises loud smells <laughs> no loud people yeah of uh, like flashing lights you know it sort of just triggers like a uh, system shutdown yeah you know for me that's a like a physical reality yeah where like i can't really sustain no myself too long in situations like like yeah. that for loads of other people for most people who are there like that's the reason i w like i kind of want to have fun too yeah but like it's too know. much um it seemed to me like the luxor was one of the ones where it was the hardest to bypass the casino just because of it, it's it's a giant hollow pyramid 
and the entire bottom floor is the casino floor. Um, and so to get to any of the four corners or the towers that we were staying in, you just have to pass by at least by the side of the casino floor in some of the other hotel casinos that we like just kind of walked through it seemed like you could actually um bypass the casino floor like in the bellagio i think you you didn't have to go through the casino to get to the ho- like the hotel level um and the cosmopolitan, yeah. I think you you were able to just bypass up to the restaurant level and and do whatever, um, but uh, but like the entire Vegas Strip is just a variation on like yeah overwhelming sound and mm-hmm. lights and the uh, casinos themselves like, don't it. have a lot of like there's not a lot of differentiation no the casino floors are all very it's much all the basically same. the same it, like you are walking on the strip on the yeah. sidewalk on the strip itself with kind of music being pumped in from every which oh, every everywhere. which way there's lights and sound and whatever yeah but you know at least you're outside if you want yeah. to like if you duck in to you can also go inside and go walk through all the hotels and casinos as, as yeah. well like you can't avoid all the casinos no like, you can't avoid it's just a massive it's a mall it's a mall yeah. with more with like it's a mall with but it's VLTs. the most it's the most mall you've ever been in in your life it's a it's like if a city was a mall yeah that's it with vlts yeah that's it people say it's like disneyland for grown-ups but no it's like it's a suburban mall with vlts like that's it yeah so we um lots we, of people like that too but i'm not tr- yeah. i know i'm probably sounding judgmental but like <laughs> if that's your thing like like yeah. that's great vegas is for you um we we were there we originally booked two nights and then um the full day that we were there uh we were thinking we would go to death valley um but there was a very unsettled weather system in the area and um there was a unusual um, I think it was supposed to rain quite heavily. They got a storm in Death Valley that day. So we opted uh, to get another night, uh, stay an extra night in Vegas. And so we did a sort of walk around, check out Vegas day. The weather was not like superb. It was kind of rainy and, and cold. Um, and uh, so we saw some of it, but I mean, there's only so much a baby walking around is going to put up with. Yeah, there's also, like, not a lot to do. No, there's <laughs> not Vegas. really. It's not just very like, interesting. Just like a mall. Like, yeah. there's not, it's not very interesting. We also went to the to Fremont Street. Yeah. As well, and, like, it's it's the same. You just walk up, and then you walk down, and then And that's done. the thing. Like, there is, like, entertainment. There's street performers. There's concert stages set up where they have concerts and stuff. There's outdoor bars and casinos. But, like, again, not our the thing. whole vibe is this is a mall. Yeah. Or it's the Red River X, yeah, <laughs> or something like yeah. just blown up into you make a whole city of malls. So I, I think I'm trying to get as like Vegas is neither like as like sinful and evil as some would would lead you to believe, nor is it. It's not glamorous or ritzy or oh, that much fun. No. It's just very blah. Yeah, this is re- really tacky. Um, it's you know it's a mid-century like North American downtown corridor filled with like um forgeries of more famous buildings yeah 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 (laughs) which is you know which are your theme hotels or whatever but like even like the history i mean the mob history is interesting to me how 
this gets made is very interesting. Yeah. It's interesting in and of itself, mm-hmm. and like that has value to ex- experience that. Yeah. But the things that it has on offer are so just clearly not interesting no i mean i don't know the draw i mean obviously we're not really vegas people but vegas is physically geographically situated um you know within easy striking distance of quite a lot of of natural um exactly things and so that makes it a a good spot yeah you have to go there and honestly like if you get if you get a cheap hotel yeah and you know like you want to have I do have one you want to have a night out or whatever yeah. then like you you want to take a break from nature yeah. you know that going in then by all means yeah. like book I a do night have or two in one Vegas. um I have one Vegas regret uh the one thing I want to do if I go back uh is I did not get to go to the Shake Shack at new york new york yeah i mean that's the thing i think that's something that you could <laughs> that was like the one thing i that's one thing that you could the baby do was cranky and do. i couldn't go um but uh we went to the in and out burger which was off the strip. like these are novelties for us is like yeah eating a different that was good fast food places that we don't have in winnipeg yeah that's i think that's, that's the, the in and uh, out burger that was like that's the, thing the extent of our excitement i enjoyed the most um but uh so we i mean our big outing was was death valley so we before we move on to death valley i also want to say like uh part of the experience in vegas that like you have to that's just in your face all the time is like uh there's a lot of homeless people yeah uh just really in your face loads of homeless people and it's a bit of a mind bender Bender, yeah i don't know how you call it like if you have like a bit of a hotels are not full or a conscience while you're walking up and down the strip yeah you have to step over homeless people there are homeless people begging like in front of the bellagio fountains and stuff yeah there are like i don't know thousands of homeless people living in tunnels underneath the strip for instance yeah uh something like that you can look all this look all this up so like that this sort of like chintzy tawdry mm-hmm. lights and sound uh and you know people walking mindlessly up and down the strip or like pumping their pension checks into vlts or whatever Mm -hmm. like that's all built like on the backs of people who are literally being like ground into the earth and living under the earth yeah (laughs) and that's not metaphorical that's uh, literal yeah so you know you can dwell on that as much or as little as you want but it is it's uh, something that you cannot like you cannot not see yeah although when you're walking around in like the vegas milieu everyone is pretending not to see it yeah when it's like literally like right there yeah which is really it's something else like every north american city has a problem with homeless and here in winnipeg you know uh people like to complain a lot about all the homeless people in winnipeg but it is honestly nothing (laughs) like uh like vegas yeah or other north american cities i should say yeah i mean all our cities are built on the backs of suffering people you are may or may not be one of them but like uh, in Vegas, you uh, can't help but see it because it's so clearly right out in the open. Yeah, you know the you know the most glitzy and glamorous and uh, chic sort of experience you can have. You have to step over a homeless person to go have it. Yeah. So like, I don't know. I just wanted to put that in there. Yeah. So from like the city of death to uh, Death Valley. <laughs> yeah. Um. So that was our our big outing. Uh. This was the thing I was um 
or I think I was I was most looking forward to on the trip. Um, I mean, out of a lot of things I was looking forward to. Uh, but we we drove out to Death Valley. It's uh, I don't know, like under two hours. It, it didn't feel like very long at all. Um, driving out to Death Valley, so you you pop just over the Nevada border into California, and uh, through Pahrump. Is that how you say it? Pahrump, the uh, uh, home of home, Art Bell. Home of the, Art uh, Bell. Yeah. All you coast to coast listeners uh, listening to our our podcast, I am none of you are. But why do you think Maybe we're? One or two. Why do you think I I wanted to try podcasting? My, <laughs> I want to be like my 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 idol, my hero, Art Bell. <laughs> went to his hometown. Um, that was the highlight of the trip for me. We just. I'm drove. being facetious. 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 I'm being facetious. Um, but yeah, so we we drove through. You drive through there to get to. Uh, death valley we brief stop at at death valley junction checked out the opera house it wasn't open to visitors at the time that we stopped uh google the amargosa opera house we yeah. don't have to go too much into it but it's something if you're you a see. desert oracle listener uh you may be familiar yep. um with that and then uh beetled on to death death valley so yeah they there'd actually been a storm uh the day before you could actually still see puddles around uh, which i mean that time of year in the spring it is i think the wettest part of the year for death valley but even then um a little unusual it was probably the only i think the only day i really broke out the sunscreen for the baby um and for us uh it was a, it was a bright sunny day i don't know i think it got up to like 16 or something like that but it, it felt like it was t-shirt weather it was beautiful um yeah we stopped at uh, Zabriskie point on the way in and then down to furnace creek and uh it was a bit of an oddball day because um i'd actually checked the national park website before we went and there was like a planned power outage um and so the visitor center was surrounded by people asking you if you had cash on you um because the the machines were not working the atms were not working and and there's people who hadn't checked that out um yeah so we we checked out the visitor center as you do um there were people camping in in death valley uh and uh, i guess they'd been quite blown around by the storm uh the night before some people who were tent camping had been unpleasantly surprised or unprepared uh for a deluge in in death valley um they weren't expecting that so there was also some people milling around the visitor center who were just recovering <laughs> from the night before and uh, yeah, then we we a lot of the paths and roads, the smaller ones, were closed. Um, I think they experienced uh, quite a bit of a flash flooding in the last few years, uh, just with climate change and the weather being more unsettled. The spring rains have gotten a little more intense, um, and uh, some of the roads have not been repaired. So um, you kind of had to stick to the main the main roads um, in the valley. We checked out some sand dunes. Um, we checked out the Artist Drive, which was definitely one of the most scenic and, and coolest drives um, that we've ever done. Definitely like in a top tier list of drives that John and Jill have done in their big history. With, uh, big with cyclists too. Yeah, yeah. Because it's like a one way. You go slow, like you couldn't 
possibly speed. There's lots of twists and turns, but just the you really get the full effect of the like alien landscape. Like you do feel like you're on the surface of a, another planet. Um, there's very little plant life, uh, visible at least plant life. Um, you know, in most of the park, not until we got down into bad water, did you start to see any, any sort of plant life going on? And then, yeah, we just kind of kicked it around and then, uh, towards getting towards sundown kind of by accident, we just timed it really well and ended up at Badwater Basin, the lowest point of elevation below sea level in the park, uh, right kind of at sunset. So that was, I think that that's for me, like that's a, that was a life highlight being in Death Valley after the sun went down and you get that sort of like soft, purpley, muted, but like the, the air is still warm and you've got like the, the light still hitting the other side of the valley and lighting things up. And I don't know, it's just, I, I really, really loved that that part and we got out and and uh walked around the salt flats a little bit and then uh we drove out of the park sort of i guess like the back way um a little twisty road and um saw a couple of wild flowers more a little more plant life and um yeah just kind of headed out experienced uh driving through the twilight and uh, a little bit into the night and uh, it was just yeah, that we also saw the um, conjunction of Jupiter Venus, uh, super super bright, uh, no clouds in the sky, you know, not like just no light pollution. Um, you really just got the full effect. It made me sort of regret that uh, my glasses prescription is a little out of date and my vision is probably not as sharp um, as it could be, but. Uh, could still see a lot of stars going on and then yeah then we headed back into into vegas um that was uh even as we were leaving death valley i already wanted to go back it was um i really really loved that part uh yeah i think driving out of death valley after sunset was one of the highlights of the trip for me as well like you said to see the light changing and the sky is extremely clear even though um in death valley obviously you're at the lowest possible elevation yeah uh the stars were like burning bright just like little like incandescent light bulbs mm -hmm. or leds in your velvet background or whatever i'm not a poet so forgive me like what i what i felt was like of uh, a feeling of just utter and complete uh like isolation mm -hmm. yeah absolutely. <laughs> and aloneness yeah even though like was there like with you mm -hmm. and the baby. I don't know if you felt that as well. Oh, yeah. And we were contained in the car. We were driving the whole time. Although like I did stop and get out for a few minutes to look at the conjunction and take a picture of it, which is so bright. I just took a picture with my phone and yeah. it turned out like perfectly. Yeah. I haven't been to a place where um, where the feeling of like it, of aloneness and insignificance yeah. just came on you hard yeah absolutely uh, and immediately yeah like as soon as the sun went down mm -hmm. and there's nobody else around and you realize like it was terrifying but not terrifying in a like nightmarish sort of way terrifying in a like uh this is what it feels like to be enveloped 
by the forces of nature yeah kind of way you yeah. know what i mean does that make sense yeah absolutely um uh, which is an experience that i don't think i've i've had so palpably in my no, life absolutely but it's probably an experience maybe that that our ancestors would have had centuries ago yeah you know that or other not not so uh not not so not so far in the past that people are still having now right. if yeah, they're yeah, not yeah. so like enveloped in yeah. you know our urban yeah post industrial uh you know late capitalist well, uh, and it's, bilieu. people do live around death valley but they you know um the shoshone uh have lived around around death valley for a long time and still do and uh they don't live in the valley they live up on up on the top rather than down below but they you know have used the valley and and uh because it is um especially in the spring when the salt marshes are a little more active it is a stopping off place for birds and for for other things like there is life uh in death valley but it it's um you know it's more sparse it's more careful it's not out during the day uh and uh yeah it just felt like yeah like you were you were a bit alone in the universe um in your little pod floating through the night and uh, even though it felt very special and very unique um as we were driving i was like okay i think i'm over this feeling i'd like to see like a village light <laughs> soon <laughs> yeah it's feeling the same way i mean it is an experience of it's an experience of numinosity yeah uh of intense numinosity and then you realize why like animism is like the default human spirituality yeah uh because like that's the reality of the ex- of the lived experience yeah you don't have to create you know like some sort of like abstract you know person uh, anthropomorphized sort of like sky god figure when like you're literally you know enveloped in uh don't want to get too like hippy dippy but like <laughs> you're enveloped by god <laughs> or everything around you is like alive uh and and sentient yeah. you know what i mean you can get into a very you know you realize what that sort of desert mind mindscape is like i yeah. don't know and i don't want to like fetishize it either no. too much because you can go on a nice hike and have kind of the same experience but like yeah maybe something about where where we were, where we were coming from, and yeah. like the sort of the mythos of Death Valley might have been playing into that. In that, like, yeah, your brain is set up that set and setting. You're ready to receive uh, the yeah. the vibes, the universal vibes. <laughs> and that was like the wilderness, alone in the wilderness, alone in the universe vibes. And I yeah. would recommend uh, going out and having that experience. Yeah, you don't ha- necessarily have to go to Death Valley, but like uh, whatever means you have available to you to have that experience. Yeah, uh, you could do it. Uh, but like climbing up out of the valley. Going through the town of Shoshone, I forget which highway that is. Yeah, that's where uh, Ed Abbey was the bus driver for all you like uh, desert solitaire heads out there. Right. I think he compiled desert solitaire. Yeah. But anyway, like yeah, getting back to uh, you know the lights of Pahrump coming over the horizon mm-hmm. again was it was it was a relief to get back to yeah. you know, like other people yeah to, like electric light yeah you know yeah uh, convenience stores gas stations and actually and you know, coming over the mountains, getting back into Vegas, you, you know, you see like, you can see like the uh, the Luxor Hotel like beam getting like beamed up into the, uh, space. Yes. From, <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
from when you're coming over, is, over the mountain ridge. And that was, an, uh, honestly, a very cool experience to yeah, have as well. Yeah, it was. And I felt like relieved and thankful mm-hmm. to be driving back into into vegas you know well especially since we uh <laughs> we stopped from, stopped yeah. at the in and out burger that was when the in and out burger happened definitely i i went in john stayed with the baby um mm-hmm. and ordered but it was clear that uh it was a, a favorite local spot as well it wasn't just like packed full of tourists these were like working las vegas peeps um in there and uh yeah so that was our our last night we after that we headed out to drove over the hoover dam and uh to williams arizona uh sort of straight south of the grand canyon or for the hoover dam there's a, a little park where you're supposed to see uh bighorn sheep oh yeah uh in what's the town boulder yeah. Hemingway Park in Boulder. Mm-hmm. That was a, a tip I got from the internet, but we didn't see any bighorn sheep there. No. We saw some bighorn sheep in Zion, but if you're looking for bighorn sheep, that apparently is a is a good bet. We also didn't keep going. There's like um, a rougher trail. I think if we had kept going down the trail, you do eventually find the sheep wherever they are. They kind of stay, you know, they're, they're territorial sort of folks. Yeah. So if a sheep, seeing a sheep, and you're not bothering them too much. They're already pretty much, you know, like uh, acclimatized. Yeah, <laughs> these are urban sheep. Uh, you can you can go and see even them the and... sheep in the national parks and not too bothered that you're around. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you're you're not you're gonna want to be prudent, obviously. Yeah, and not bother them. No, uh, there are, and we can talk about that later. But like, we did see some people doing some really stupid stuff in these parks, which yeah. is what you're gonna see. But uh, yeah, that's a place where you can see sheep in a yeah. more like authorized or safe setting. Yeah. Um, and the Hoover Dam is like, you have to go through like an American like military checkpoint Yeah. to go visit the Hoover, Hoover Dam. So if that's something that would be like, I don't know, stressful for you, <laughs> you want to avoid that, then yeah. you, um, at least coming from the Nevada side, that's what you have to do. I'm not sure what it's like coming from I don't the know. Arizona side. Because it's right on the border of Nevada yeah. and, and Arizona, but I think getting getting down and seeing the Hoover Dam up close was worth it for us. Yeah, absolutely. Um, having a baby helps all of these things. Uh, getting exactly. through any given checkpoint. Um, generally, people, if once they see you have a you know smaller baby, are uh, not interested in holding you up um, uh, to any degree. Uh, you know, they had a look in the back of the car and then off we went um and uh yeah so the hoover dam is very cool i mean the of course the the architecture that um um you know depression new deal era uh architecture the monumental um art deco yeah in uh architecture uh it's very very much on display at the hoover dam definitely it could be like you... the biggest i think it's probably obviously the biggest uh, example of that when I think just that era of of so much pride in in a public work, in right? public works, in yeah, publicly funded and built uh, infrastructure, yeah, just thought and design that went into uh, things like that. Was... Whatever you want to say about like the environmental value or impact of yeah, things like exactly. the Hoover Dam, if you want to like leave that aside, yeah, th- there was a time in the not too distant past where the <laughs> where we could publicly build. Uh, build things that would benefit uh, masses of people. Yeah, you know, and also you like you could talk about like 
what the working conditions were like working on the Hoover Dam or whatever as well. I'm not saying that, you know, these Depression era public works projects were completely whatever. Yeah. We're completely... I don't know. I didn't it's even know really It's not about all gold or good, but it is, but like, it is good to stop cool to by and see. Yeah. It's worth and seeing. It makes you honestly think, like, we could do this again. Yeah. It'd be very easy. We don't need to have billionaires to make things that, that benefit the public at large. Well, to, rein- to reinforce public infrastructure, exactly. uh, to withstand. You don't need private companies climate, doing Climate this. change. Yeah, yeah. We could. Or we could do it for ourselves. Yeah. So that was cool. Um, yeah, we went to, uh, there's uh, the town of Williams, um, not quite at Flagstaff, uh, where uh, it's sort of the gateway to the Grand Canyon. Grand Canyon's really just in the middle of nowhere, uh, sort of like it's off the path um, to get to it. And uh, so we, we stayed in Williams uh, for that night. Uh, it's kind of neat. There's um, a section of the old Route 66 sort of preserved within town. The interstate skirts the town. And um, so there's lots of the old neon and you could see some of the old uh, mid-century motels, restaurants. Uh, we had really, really good Mexican food there, a little family-run place. Um, and then, yeah, in the morning we scooted on up to the Grand Canyon. Eh, I mean... I don't want to spend lots of time on the Grand Canyon. No, if you've I never mean, been to the Grand Canyon, like we hadn't... You're going to want to do it. Yeah, There's but I would go There's different places where you can access the Grand Canyon. Yeah. We went at the the south entrance, the main south entrance visitor center. Yeah. Uh, I think the main thing about the Grand Canyon is like seeing it later on in the trip. We'd already seen uh scenery that matched the grand canyon or exceeded it yeah uh in canyonlands like the grand view in canyonlands to me is better than yeah than the grand canyon view yeah at least on the oh south. yeah for sure depending on where you are how you're doing this trip there are might be easier ways to access the grand canyon and like you're going to want to see it if you hadn't seen it obviously yeah. like we said for us the way that we did it and most people do it it's out of the way uh that main visitor center on the south rim you do have to take an extra day or two yeah an extra night or two especially if you're trying to like book hotels or whatever yeah you can camp at in the visitor center area yeah there if you want and there's like lodges and stuff but it's not the most convenient no uh location and if you've um if you've seen some of the the grand uh, majestic uh canyon views already I've I've seen YouTube videos where they suggest uh, skipping the Grand Canyon, and that yeah. is a very viable thing. Yeah, to do. If we went back, I don't think we'd. No, we wouldn't make a point of going back to the Grand Canyon I, again. No, I, I don't. But if think that's so. on your bucket list of something to do, that's a, yeah, you've wanted to do it since you've a kid, since you've been a kid. By all means, go to the Grand Canyon. Yeah, and it also wasn't a super nice want, day when yeah. we went. It wasn't very sunny. It was gray. Um, our views of the canyon uh, were not great. You're also um, because you're you're kind of at the southernmost reach of our trip. Um, you are closer to a lot of uh, pollution. Um, you're also at like a lower elevation, and so uh, you are more likely to have your view obstructed um, by by air pollution. Uh, when you're in the Grand Canyon, there's signs up that talk about it. Um, I think because you are closer to places like Phoenix. Um, Grand Canyon is also where we probably encountered 
the most tourists yeah as other tourists we are aware that we are also tourists and we're part of that sort of problem yeah but like groups of but, people specifically standing on ledges for their instagram photos but if you want to see like l- intense crowds of people sort of like it's it's proximity to vegas yeah. has a lot to do with that yeah um and the most concentrated amount of people doing like obviously dangerous and stupid things yeah uh for instagram photos was at the grand canyon yeah that we saw anyway uh, uh we're i'd say that i'd probably give that one to horseshoe bend horseshoe bend uh yeah <laughs> i mean that's part of part of that canyon it's close to grand canyon yeah, yeah. But like it's it's the same idea. I don't know why Horseshoe Bend more so. Honestly, it's just unwatched. It's not part of the national it's park not part system, of the national park and they system, just don't exactly. have. It's it's not as monitored. But yeah, so we we so, uh, trucked yeah. from the Grand Canyon up through the Navajo Nation. That was a beautiful drive through part of the Painted Desert, um, along sort of the cliff walls and uh, up to Page, Arizona. Home of the Glen Canyon Dam. And uh, Paige is sort of, as actually uh, my friend who, who lives in Arizona, they sort of described it as being, you know, it is like an Instagram hotspot. And you could tell by there's oh, yeah. lots of brand new hotels. Like it, it's quite clearly boomed for tourism in the last 10 years or something like that. And there's lots of stuff to do around there that we didn't do. Yes. Things like Antelope uh, you got your, Canyon. Yeah, Antelope Canyon other things i'm not gonna list them all no but you know i think things like uh the wave have you seen that uh it's like a rock fold formation oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, the orange rock it's sort of yes. like stratified in like a in a wave if you've seen it on like your google chromecast or any sort <laughs> yeah, of like screensaver those like orange rocks that look like they're ribbons liquid, like they're ribbons yeah that's around there antelope canyon like it's a famous slot canyon yeah all those sorts of things are there also like lake powell Mm -hmm. major tourist area for like boaters yeah lots of hikes and stuff i would go back to that area if we went back again um but i think there's a few a few other things that are within that area yeah yeah there's more that i'm forgetting but but there's we we were just there that's a good that's a good base we were just there as a place to stay basically and there are available there are you know your budget hotels yeah it was it was like the there. more affordable place to stay um so we just stayed there the night checked out horseshoe bend uh and then um drove through the navajo nation up to monument valley horseshoe uh, bend i probably wouldn't go back again i would no i don't i don't think so but i th- i'm reminded there's between Page and Monument Valley, it depends w- which way you want to go. Yeah. There's a different area called Goosenecks State Park. Oh, right. Yeah, that yeah. is sort of a horseshoe bend. This is all around the Colorado River sort of canyon system. Yeah. The same thing that, you know, canyon lands up in Moab and down to Grand Canyon, yeah. Arizona or whatever. It's all part of the same system. That's what your Grand Circle is. You're going around this area. But like there's a, yeah, Goosenecks State Park gives you that bend in the colorado river with the canyon views all around it but i think like less of the um instagram shenanigans that you're gonna get it's i mean it's a state park the thing about horseshoe bend is is that it's it's run by the navajo nation and which is good because it's under tribal control um but they really just monitor the entrance and then um 
there's signs up, but people are kind of left to their own devices down at the bend. Um, and so there's a designated spot where you're supposed to stay, but there's a lot of people uh, out of bounds up on the rocks. You could see lots of tripods and camera equipment that had clearly been dropped off <laughs> the edge of the cliff. Um, so just, yeah, saw people doing a lot more nerve wracking things than you like. We took turns going down, taking a look, coming back. And uh, and then and then went on our way to Monument Valley to meet up with uh, my friend Amy uh, that I know via Twitter. They and their partner have lived on the Navajo Nation for um, they moved there just before the pandemic. Uh, their partner is a physician. And um, and so we're we're there for sort of the worst of the pandemic. And, and of course, the Navajo Nation was very hard hit things to do were very limited and and um going outside was sort of one of the only options and and a way to stay sane so uh in the sort of intervening time uh they've had a lot of chance to do a lot of drives and and camping and um relatively knowledgeable about the area so uh they very kindly agreed to to drive up from their village and uh meet us at Monument Valley and uh, drive us around the um, the dirt track that takes you around um, Monument Valley. Monument Valley is the John Wayne landscape. Yeah, it's the John Ford landscape. Mm-hmm. It's the classic Hollywood westerns. Yeah, landscape. It's the Looney Tunes backgrounds. Uh, well, this whole trip is Looney Tunes backgrounds. <laughs> yeah, this is the Looney Tunes backgrounds road trip. Yeah, uh, it's a good title for the show, for the episode actually, but. Um, yeah, that's the area that we're talking about. Yeah. It's also where uh Forrest Gump stops his uh <laughs> his cross country uh, running. Yeah. That's the, that's the Monument Valley. And also like on it's the spectacular. on the theme with us uh continually hitting freak out of season weather along this trip. Um it was incredibly like Iceland levels of windy in Monument Valley as soon as we sort of drove down into the valley uh it was just wind it, dust blowing sideways um tumbleweeds and, uh, yeah my friend said that uh usually this wind shows up about a month later um and that it was <laughs> it wasn't windy yesterday and it wasn't supposed to be windy the next day so we we managed to uh catch it i i um stupidly uh didn't think about it and left the car wearing my my Murray's automatic transmission baseball cap from the thrift store Mooseman, and uh, it you thought a prairie girl would have been aware of how better. to manage a headgear and wins. But uh, this was, I yeah, this like I said, I think the the only other comparable wind I've experienced was in Iceland, and um, my hat just immediately flew off my head and like didn't barely touch the ground, and it was like gone off the edge and into the valley before i could even like run a couple of parking spaces after it uh so it was uh it's probably still tumbling its way across the plains yeah yeah across the desert now my, uh, uh, people just see this hat just rolling ar- <laughs> rolling around the legend the legend is growing some sort of, of like the murray's transmission some rabbit yeah. fence it's just crunched up against it um but uh yeah so that 
R.I.P. that hat. An old Navajo man is wearing Absolutely. that Absolutely. I wish it well. I hope that it it's happy in its new home. I was glad I wasn't wearing a more beloved hat uh, than that one because uh, there's no hope of retrieval. If that had been my Saskatchewan wheat pool hat, I would have been choked. Uh, but yeah, so Monument Valley was very cool. Uh, very cool getting to meet Amy, who um, we were actually supposed to meet when we were first planning our trip uh, several years ago. And uh, so that was part of it too, getting to... to um, you know, meet some actual humans who live there and, and know the area a little bit. And uh, they brought us coffee and cookies and it's very lovely and um, just great to to chat with them about life and, and sort of their experience. Um, yep. I would second all that. Yeah. Amy was great. Thank you very much to Amy for being our tour guide. Yeah. And seeming so excited to meet us and, and drive us around yeah it was, it was too bad we couldn't spend nice more time meet, yeah it's nice to meet friends mm-hmm. and like my other like-minded people in different areas absolutely it makes you feel like the earth is our home yeah <laughs> yeah no it was, it was a little home away from home yeah it was lovely and uh then we kept on trucking and uh, drove up up through uh the rest of the the nation um the sort of drove past the Valley of the Gods and, and you can really see where this is like prime, like camping in your van yeah. territory. This is a, if we're going to go back <laughs> what we would do. And I think this is where I think we were already on the setting our sights for home. Yeah. Uh, mindset after Monument Valley. Mm-hmm. Uh, not that our trip was kind of open-ended so that like we could yeah. stop and do more things if we wanted to, but uh it was time to go back we were on the road for almost three weeks by that point yeah um so monument valley on the border of arizona and utah you're kind of going back up again yeah other things that we could have done is also like kept on going east to santa fe Mm -hmm. and then like north to like mesa verde yeah durango and colorado those are things that you could do on this on this trip on this itinerary if you wanted to and if we went back we'd probably try to make a point of doing that yeah yeah also valley of the gods mm-hmm. is between uh, monument valley and moab again moab again moab is where we're gonna end up uh close <laughs> the circle close our circle exactly yeah. yeah so valley of the gods is like a little monument valley yeah there's a bunch of other things that you can do around Mexican there hat we drove past there's other there's other random like arches yeah in the area there's canyons that was definitely like prime like camper van oh yeah territory the, Probably, uh, yeah. the departures uh fellows two out of three of the departures fellows were also uh as we saw on their instagrams later were also in they were in death valley the same day we were and then they were driving around valley of the gods i think like the day after we were in monument valley you know you're on a good road trip yeah when the departures guys are all exactly <laughs> on the same kind of like at the I, same I, time. yeah it's like oh yeah that's you know we're this is uh this is a good trip and anyone who knows us knows we're real departures heads yeah so we would have loved to have uh, met i think it was andre it was it was andre and scott andre uh, and scott. not justin uh, i would have loved to have met andre and scott yeah but <laughs> andre uh, and scott if you're listening it's just good good to know that they were they were out there uh living yep. living the life um yeah so we we went up to um monticello stayed in a little motel uh for the night and uh then we had a very easy little trip up to back up to moab the next day or moab Moab. as the uh locals say 
we we stopped in Bears Ears. Was Bears Ears a is it a monument? Bears Ears is a national monument, but right. specifically we're um, checking out Newspaper Rock. Yeah, we, we didn't just do any... we didn't go all the way into Bears Ears, and we didn't go into the Needles section of Canyonlands, which is sort of uh, the other yeah, the other, other part of Canyonlands. But there's yeah, there's other really cool stuff to do south of south of Moab. Yeah, another day. There's absolutely. something called like the Moki Dugway. Yes, yeah, that's uh, and Amy had recommended that, but it was um, it was pretty wet in that area yeah. uh the the back roads and the dirt roads were pretty rough looking so i don't think it would have been to our our little old yeah. car there's lots to do yeah. so camper van folks could mm-hmm. hang out there for a week probably easy oh yeah easy um but yeah newspaper rock was extremely cool uh to just dip in and see and then uh Newspaper Rock is yeah. a petroglyph site, mm-hmm. one of the major petroglyph sites in the Southwest or North America in general. Yeah. You can look it up. It's You've seen pictures of it. You've yes. seen these petroglyphs. Yeah. They're carvings in the rock face. Animals, hum, humanoid yeah. forms, uh, spirals, abstract designs, things yeah. that look like monsters or aliens. Very it's cool. Very, it is something, It if you've never seen something like this, it's something that uh how do i finish the sentence it's worth worth seeing it's worth seeing in person (laughs) and like ruminating on like the generations the thousands of years of human history that that exists in these places in the places that we live um and then we uh dipped into arches uh we thought about trying out the delicate arch trail again but um once we i mean you kind of you go up these switchbacks and and arches the park itself is at a, a higher elevation and uh it was just it was too windy um for like not for us but for a baby and uh i i personally was um i i was opposed to just waiting in the car so we decided that uh <laughs> uh we reached an agreement that uh we would let go of the dream of uh the delicate arch trail hike we reached an agreement that I that John would, would relinquish to, his dream. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know why uh, Delicate Arch became a bit of a like fixation for me. I did have a bit of a checklist because I was the planner yeah. guy, the uh, logistics guy. So that was on my list of things to do. I wanted to do the Delicate Arch Trail the first time we were in in Arches, but the weather was too bad that it was not it was not going to happen. So we were. You know, we we're going to leave knowing that we were most likely going to be coming back that way and uh, we'd have another shot at doing the delicate arch walk. But once again, the wind and the weather was not cooperating. And uh, with a baby uh, having to go on your walk with you strapped to your back, um, you know, that's a major consideration because like Liz was not going to enjoy that. Uh, we tried strapping her in, but, you know, the wind was uh, was not pleasant for any of us, and especially not her. So it, it was clear that this uh, this walk was not going to happen. So we weren't able to do it uh, twice. So sometimes uh, uh, sometimes the gods do not rule in your favor. We did. Um, we stopped by uh, Double Arch, which was my personal favorite arch, um, and uh, it was it was just interesting to see because it was a it was a bright sunny day, even though it was quite, it was windy. Um, it wasn't yeah, like it was still nice. Um, and just to see how many more people were there, I think 
when I walked out to Double Arch the first time, there was two other people. And this time there, I think there was probably at least 20 other people there. So just to see, you know, exponentially how many more people were there um, made me feel more lucky. They, we had been at Arches earlier on that really bad weather day. Yes, yeah, so we, we, we didn't stay in Moab. We kept on trucking, um, but we did stop at uh, a, a place that Amy had told us about, um, Sago Canyon which it's not marked from the highway, from the interstate. You kind of have to know it's there. It's behind a little town called Thompson Springs, which is not quite a ghost town, but pretty much. Um, And uh, you drive in behind on a little paved but rough road uh, back into a canyon. and, uh, And then you get to see some of the coolest petroglyphs I think we saw on this trip. I want to clarify here. This isn't like a super secret area. No. It is like uh, federally managed yeah. by the Bureau of Land Management. Yeah. We're not trespassing on uh, no. anyone's land or, um, you know, traditional territory any more so than anyone else's. No. To get there. So you don't have to feel too bad about it. No. Uh, it's And you can drive up with your little hatchback car to a um, certain point so it, it's but it like there are some information signs up but they're quite faded and worn it seems you can like look it up online there yeah. is like a bureau of land management like page on yeah. this site so you know we're not telling you like some sort of a, like illicit secret that people no. want to keep you know away from tourists or anything but it's almost like it's just been like it's a bit of like a forgotten pocket like it's just it's a little off the beaten path uh and yeah. but there was still there was still like you know one or two people out there but uh, you can only go so far with your regular vehicle um and the dirt road takes over but because it was so wet in the canyon the dirt road was crazy churned up we wouldn't have been able to get down it um but uh the dirt road takes you right to kind of where where the petroglyphs are um, in the canyon, and they're on several different rock faces, at least the surviving ones that are protected, uh, that have survived, and um, some of the oldest, I think, in in the area, definitely the oldest ones we saw, and uh, some of the most, like... The timeline, by old, we mean the, the timeline for when these, um, the oldest figures were made, and these are pictographs not petroglyphs sorry as in, like yes. they are painted onto the yes rock, yeah rather than etched into a, i know i'm being a little pedantic but i think it's like <laughs> important No, it's important yeah um but like the age is between like a thousand and eight thousand years old yeah or two thousand and eight thousand something like that yeah so like these are potentially like among the oldest um pieces of art yeah um that anyone in north america has made that still exists anyway yeah um, and certainly, like in the area, probably the oldest surviving human yeah. main, made uh, works of art that we've ever seen for or sure. Tools or anything. Yeah. Uh, this is like, I don't know, 8,000 years old is, you know, timeline wise, not that far removed from the last ice age. Yeah. So, you know, when people were just like arriving in the area yeah. and getting their bearings, and probably like one of, you know, one of the uses of these petroglyphs of these pictograph panels 
is to like our as like maps or little like information information carrying symbols or whatever about the land itself whether it's like uh good to hunt here or camp here mm-hmm. uh some of the animals that live in the area yeah and like in the case of some of the more like fantastical uh humanoid forms maybe like what sort of uh spirits are inhabiting the rock and the canyon and the landscape or yeah you know things like that there's lots of different um theories about what these like symbols mean and it depends who you're asking yeah uh the different tribes in the area also have different differing interpretations well, they're, of the, yeah of the they're interpreting well. right like for them like they, they don't necessarily know what these things mean either no so it's, that's very interesting you've encountered like a real actual like mystery yeah um and if we had been able to go up the dirt road um which you can if it's dry but uh there is a um very well preserved abandoned uh ghost town mining town um so there's like a cemetery and there's buildings that are still standing that you can um see but unfortunately yeah it was just a little too rough we were also there like kind of just um just around sunset uh so it was also like uh shadowy figures on the rock and you're there at twilight so it was like atmospherically it was kind of again accidentally felt like just the right time to be there in that sort of like you know transitional phase of the day um but uh yes we and then we we um checked those out for a little while and then uh went back and um scootled on up to grand junction colorado got ourselves back into back into colorado would you say that the uh the petroglyph the pictograph figures at sigo canyon were like uh how did they feel mm. uh were they like benevolent malevolent malevolent I, I, uh, what's your what's the experience of like of seeing these things in that in that setting oh. like what do you what do you think they are um i would say it didn't feel I don't know, one way or the other. It was more just um, you had the feeling that you were in a place that humans have lived. Uh, different groups of humans have been that there's there's layers of, of habitation. Um, so, yeah, it just sort of felt... Um, and we also, I don't know, we weren't there long enough, I think, to necessarily pick up the vibes if you were camping um, in, in that canyon. Maybe it would be different. Um, but uh, just sort of stopping in, uh, it just sort of felt like you were visiting the ancestors and saying hi and then continuing on your way back home, <laughs> I guess. That was my, my general take. Um Mm-hmm. In places like that, do you ever feel like you are trespassing? That you are a place where you feel like you shouldn't be as, you know, like these places are clearly, you know, occupied or used by like indigenous people for millennia. And here we are, you know, middle class white tourists who have no connection to that area. Just sort of like, it's a, just another trip on our, or another like stop on our uh, vacation itinerary. Where you go like, hmm, that's cool. It makes you think about stuff, huh? And then on our way we go. Because sometimes I feel like that. Um, I think with a place like Sago Canyon, um, I don't know. I think like the, the indigenous groups in the area do have a connection to it as well. Because there are some pictographs on other walls that are newer. But uh, 
you know, it's a mystery, like the older figures, like they're a mystery to, to those people as well. So I think it's, as long as you're there and you're respectful, like you're not um, doing anything to, to destroy uh, the work or to, you know, significantly, you know, you stay on path, you're not eroding the landscape uh, too much or anything. Um, I think I feel okay about it. It's too bad. It. I feel like those panels could use... Oh, hello, baby. Um, Liz is awake again. Those panels could maybe use a bit more uh, protection um, from people getting... You know, you can really get up close to them. Like, you can you can touch them easily. Yeah, there is um, visible graffiti from... Yeah. So the, the, the baby late... is uh, currently trying to uh, explore the microphone stand here as she should as that she is, should as it's is her, her job right. yeah her job right now but like um, if you can bear with it then <laughs> if there's I any shaking can, yeah. um but like, yeah there's graffiti from like the late 1800s literally from when the first settlers arrived yeah up until like you know relatively recently yeah like so Let's see if i can do that i guess this is getting into more I think it, we were there. Topic, yeah, like we were what, there. Like the ethics of tourism, I suppose. Yeah, but. and there's um, there's lots there, but I I felt okay about being there. Um, I didn't feel like it was a place, you know, like just like uh, oh, we shouldn't be here, um, kind of a place. Just because um, places like that, that if no one visited Sago Canyon, or if it was, I guess. Um, there was if you were not supposed to it's just that people are always going to um and right. at a certain point um there is amount an amount of certain protective um power that visitation can have right there's a fine line between destruction and protection that visitation brings um because there's eyes right on on these places so if um if only if the only people visiting were people who were not allowed to be there um there could be destruction or or damage that went unreported um things like that so it's an issue that uh, there's a lot to say about it but um i think just going in seeing them sort of paying your respects uh and then being on your way while treading as lightly as you can while you're there uh that felt all right yeah i I think i'd be in the same boat there like i've mentioned like edward abbey before he's like obviously the main environmental figure associated with this area and like one of the fathers of like modern environmentalist thinking or whatever i guess you would Mm -hmm. say and his philosophy is like cut all wilderness off from anybody basically unless you can get there on your own two feet or like a pack horse or something uh, you know, like keep wilderness wild and don't develop anything. There's basically. a certain amount of that, like I uh, up to a certain point, but uh, I I don't want to get into a big uh, discussion of why I don't agree with Edward Abbey on uh, many to all his points. Um, but uh, it is um, oh, what, what am I trying to say here? Uh, I guess I I, f- I felt okay being there. I can see why, if it is a place um, that still had an, I guess, ongoing spiritual connection for local indigenous people that, you know, they 
asked that people not visit it like um somewhere like Uluru in in Australia where the local indigenous people you know asked slash demanded that uh, people stop climbing the rock and uh, start referring to it to its its name um like I think you should you should a hundred percent respect those things right if if the people who are there ask you not to go there or not to do certain things or to act in a certain way while you were there um by all means you should be doing those things um so yeah so from sago canyon we just stayed the night in grand junction and then uh sort of made the unplanned sort of last minute decision to tour the colorado national monument um which was very very cool we i mean the the drive over the rockies at this point is really only like what is it four hours not even it's very short so we we sort of improvised on this one yeah we yeah we stayed the night in in grand junction colorado like far western colorado and Mm -hmm. then we basically just wanted to get to denver yeah that day so we had some time to kill Mm -hmm. so like we stay in the grand junction area there's the grand uh there's the colorado national monument which is uh yeah you were describing an incredibly scenic drive um you you drive up and then you're up on the um rim of a mesa like is it the grand mesa that you're on I have forgotten the particulars Anyways, of the geography, but like yeah, the Grand up, Mesa is in the area. You're up Basically, on a mesa. You're um, up on, yeah, or the mesa or the plateau yeah. above the town of Grand Junction. Yeah, so you can see, it's kind of like um, like a leveled view where you can see also the town and, and everything beyond it. But there's also below you, there are these hanging canyons, which are sort of like mini canyons that are suspended between the rim of the mesa and the ground. Um, and then they have another drop off. So kind of like a step, I guess, down the mesa. So you get up there. This is a, a spot that's very popular with cyclists. Yeah. And this is also still all part of the Colorado River yeah. canyon system. Yeah. Like, uh, this trip is all about rock stratas. It's about water. Yeah, erosion. you're on the you're on the it's gateway to the Rockies. Um, and uh, so this was it was a beautiful drive. Um, we saw lots of birds. This is uh, probably saw um, yeah a good number of birds. It was very quiet. There was uh, did we see? I think we saw one or two cyclists, but there wasn't very many people around. Um, and uh, you you drive along the rim. The views are incredible. Yeah, and actually, some of the most spectacular views yeah, that we had. Just lovely on the trip, and it's not even one of the one of the main you know destinations. Yeah, and um, yeah, we we stopped at the visitor center, and then not far from that, did just like a little mini hike out to uh, a viewpoint. Um, there are a number of sort of freestanding rock monuments um, that you can you can go and see. Again, this is a place where um, there is actually like a campground um, up on this ridge, uh, probably designed for your cyclists, hikers, that sort of thing. Um, and uh, it's got these beautiful little like arts and crafts uh, bathrooms. 
And uh, but if if you're scared of heights or perhaps scared of your child uh, falling off a ledge with no rail on it, this may not be the campground for you. That said, this might not be the road trip for you. <laughs> yeah, also that. Um, but uh, yeah, we we did a little hike, and uh, Liz got to get out of the car and uh, got to uh, touch some trees and see some birds up close and sit on some rocks. So she had a she had a very nice time, and um, yeah, it just felt like a really good a good place to close out close out the plateau part of our trip, and then. Yeah, then we headed back over the Rockies. Um, I and guess Colorado it, itself, it could be like it's it's its own thing oh, for as sure. well. And we just like bombed through it on the I seventy, and there's some really cool stuff you can see. Yeah, but, uh, Colorado uh, is like definitely now like on my radar for going yeah, back in absolutely. general. Absolutely, not just for like Durango and Mesa Verde in the yeah. southwestern part of the state, but like there's Rocky Mountain National Park. Any Denver, number of state parks. even like Denver seemed like Denver a, is a major metro it's a big, city. It's a sprawled city, but there's, um, you know, uh, we stopped at uh, a famous craft uh, worker owned co-op. Um, I spent some, I had budgeted uh, a budget for myself for yarn. Poor John is usually not present when I buy yarn, uh, but he, he held it together <laughs> it's fine i will like i was kind of interested in going too when i learned about it i wanted to check out if i can check out like a worker co-op yeah somewhere and you know see a little bit like what um you know how they look in different applications it's, it's a very and successful it's, one too absolutely. as well um so yeah it was um i i would go back to denver and just hang out absolutely we didn't even see that much of the city but it had uh it had a good vibe but when we came back over the rockies uh to the east um there was a temp uh, a weather inversion and so we came down into kind of like a gray sleety uh, it wasn't it wasn't the nicest uh coming back yeah um, it was like your sleety slushy mucky uh, yeah and late, it was building late winter, up early spring weather building up for another storm so we 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 pushed um we wanted to try and beat it so we we stayed in denver and then uh trucked out and uh tried to get as far as we can could uh to try and beat a big a big blizzard um coming through and uh what do we got to uh we got to south dakota actually from denver to south dakota and then back up into Winnipeg. That was a little harrowing, um, that last sort of day and a half of driving. But we got home and uh, we all we all had a cold as a family. So we were all quite happy to be to be back uh, back in Winnipeg. And uh, I, we talked about uh, talking about <laughs> several different things in this episode. But I think uh, I think the trip is probably going to take up the whole the whole shebang um yeah that's about two hours we can keep on going if you want well i guess you could you could splice it into two episodes if you wanted um but uh, i guess i would just close out with saying that uh we were we were home for a couple of weeks and uh um the trip was amazing wonderful uh and then uh do you want to say like before you move on to being at, at home stuff yeah any more about like philosophy of travel wise and with traveling with the baby yeah and i don't know that's something that i think about is like is it ethical to go on a vacation <laughs> yeah i mean there's uh, yeah i don't know it i feel like 
only a weirdo like would think about that, right? But it's no, I think I it's, it's something that you think about because you're is driving. Is it a good use you're... of money? Is it a good use of time? Is it like what's what's the point? Is I it think just all I recreation or I I should I just loosen up and enjoy myself? I wanted to, and and there are ethical issues, and I I if somebody doesn't agree with it, uh, that's fine. Um, I I wanted to. Well, one, I want Liz to be used to road trips and like she's obviously not going to remember it because she was six months old uh, when we did it. But, um, you know, we have the photographs um, and for us, it was just sort of like a like a, a family bonding, like, you know, learning how to be a, a family of three and um, and just a, a, like a, a memory anchor uh, for us, right? She's um, she's not going to remember it, but she's going to have photographs um, that show us as a family doing this thing specifically to experience it together um, and to to be a family. And she'll have that kind of she'll have those photographs and that like memory of love, like just sort of a, a, a beginning to build that. When I was a kid, I always wish that we did more family trips and things like that. So I, I wanted to, you know, that's what I want to do with with her is I want her to feel like she's included. And some of it is for her. Some of it's for us. And she's, you know, just like we have to compromise to her, she has to compromise to us. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I I don't know. I, I think it was uh, for us, it was a net good and uh, I'm glad we did it. And uh, it definitely made me feel more like once we got back, like more like, oh, I can take her out and I can go on adventures. Like I'm not as housebound. Um, we can get out and we can move around. And there's like there's certain things that you can't quite do with a baby, but there's a lot that you can do more than you maybe think. You know, uh, babies are and kids are a lot more flexible and adaptable than uh some people give them credit for, right? You don't have to, I don't know, you, you can do things with them. Um, you just have to adapt yourself a little bit. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a good way of, of putting it. It also like helps us like express our philosophy of how we want to be as people and as a, as a family, the mm-hmm. sort of things that like we can, we can do, not just like to get like Liz used to being an adventuresome, adventurous little like human, but also like for me as well i often feel like the most myself when i'm not at home honestly yeah and for me it's it's an experience of being able to like situate myself in the world like on on planet earth uh to experience like natural wonders not just for like you know to get a good picture or to oh she wants to talk to you yeah. liz wants to have her own say which she should but I'm, you know, it's also not just like an educational thing. It's not, I'm not trying to accumulate experiences for my own just sort of entertainment. Yeah. Uh, like, I, I want to know how the world works. I want to know what there is like out there. Yeah. In the landscape, I want to learn how the planet was, you know, the planet was formed. I yeah. want to learn about how people lived, mm-hmm. and I want to like, I want to meet other people as yeah. well like it feels like a very holistic wholesome sort of experience or a way of a way of like orienting yourself and situating yourself learning how how things work in reality you can learn that from 
from travel, from going outside of your home or just paying attention to the nat- the natural world and paying attention to how people lived um, before we got here. So mm-hmm. like that's really fascinating for me. I mean, I can't help it. If if we've got extra money, I think I'll always like prioritize like I'll prioritize travel in some way, shape or form, you know? Yeah, I agree. Um, <coughs> but yeah, moving on from that. Um, yeah, I mean, Liz is uh, sleeping through the night, um, which has, of course, been a game changer life-wise. Um, for me, uh, I went from, you know, not sleeping more than two hours in a stretch uh, per night uh, to getting like a full eight hours pretty consistently. So um, it feels like our days have gotten a lot more routine based with her. Uh, she's starting to eat a bit. Um, she's starting to play a little more independently and do things. Um, not crawling, not walking yet, but um, more. <laughs> Sorry, I'm trying to. Just, just give her the mic. <laughs> yeah. She has something to say. <laughs> um, just uh, a little more easy to manage. I'm finding like I'm able to do yogas during her first nap. And of course, everything will change. It won't all stay the same, but uh, it's feeling, um, yeah, it feels, feels pretty good right now. Uh, she's in, a, she's in a, good, a good spot and she's, uh, she's quite fun at the moment here. Oh, go see dad. There we go. <laughs> uh yeah she's a she's a little ball of fun and um you know she she's a pretty easy baby overall um in the grand scheme of grand scheme of babies and uh still really enjoying mat leave and home life and uh hopefully we get this warmer weather so we can start being outside a lot and she isn't such a cave dwelling baby <laughs> um but uh yeah I'm, I'm looking forward to this spring and summer with her it's just fun to do the things that you and i have been doing for over a decade together but sort of with a new perspective and a new um yeah just like we have to do it in a slightly different way uh and uh it's just a new a new perspective on on um the things we like to do and the things we enjoy Mm-hmm. that's right yeah uh, you got anything uh, planned, special planned for this spring with the baby and yourself? Anything um, I mean, that you're going to be up to between now and when we're possibly doing another one of these episodes? <laughs> I mean, we've got the seeds started. Uh, they're in the sunroom to keep them out of baby and cat range. Um, hopefully uh, be able to get outside and get some gardening uh, going. But no, no major plans. Just mostly um, try to get out. Do some hiking and bird watching. Uh, get the garden in. Um, you know, I want to try and grow some baby friendly kind of things. But just, uh, yeah, just continue to enjoy the the baby pace of life um, before I go back to work in September. Just continue to soak that in as much as possible. This is kind of like the one year in my life where. Um, this pace of life will not be dictated to solely by work, I guess. Uh, so trying to enjoy that and not let that slip away as much as possible. How's it been? How's Matt leave? I love it. it. Is Matt leave good or bad? What oh, should, what should it's happen? good. It's so good. It's or parental leave, I should say. Parental leave. Yeah, it's so good. Uh, Why is parental leave good? Well, I mean, 
I should also say it's good for me. It may not be good for other people. Other people might enjoy it to various varying degrees. So, but for me, I love it. It's been good. I love my job. And I think when I go back, I will enjoy going back. But uh, I'm a little bit older and, and uh, I don't know. I've enjoyed every sort of aspect of, of having the baby, even though like, you know, I didn't enjoy morning sickness and I didn't enjoy the feeling of recovering from a C-section. But um, in the balance of things, uh, it's just been... I don't know, a, a beautiful time to just uh, watch Liz develop and be a part of that and um, get to know myself as a, as a parent and uh, get to um, have a pace of life that's based around uh, the baby and making things and reading books and having meals with my family. That's right. Oh, yeah, she'll take that squishy yellow ball off that microphone so fast. She's very squiggly now. Uh, she isn't walking or crawling, but, like, that's on the horizon. She loves to move. <laughs> uh, she just kind of shook her head at the microphone. Um, but we got uh, a friend of mine gave us, um, like, one of those hiking backpacks. Um, so, yeah, I, I want to get outside with Liz as much as possible and just get her used to going on hikes, getting out there, going on walks, being outside. That's what I want to do. Yeah, uh, me too. And being uh, being on the road for with you guys for the last or for a couple of weeks there, a couple of months, months ago, um, felt like uh, my brain and spirit woke up a little bit mm-hmm. um, after being in hibernation. Yeah. For the winter, since we've been back, it's basically been winter. So yeah. Uh, again, my psyche went into hi- hibernation mode. Definitely been like uh, not the most pro-social, pretty isolated, very tired. <laughs> yeah. It's been... <laughs> I feel like I need to be like out wandering. <laughs> yeah. Or just toodling around, just like having something somewhat, you know, doing something somewhat necessary, but not super high stakes. Yeah, yeah. Whether it's like doing some yard work mending something yeah building something i'm i'm looking forward to some to some sort of a mm-hmm. uh, project now that we're kind of like getting our sea legs a little bit with having the child yeah that the child is just like um another entity in the family yeah that is just you know we're all just hanging out together. i just want it to be i want it to be warm enough that we can put her jolly jumper outside or like her saucer because like like right now I'm watching her just ultra squiggle on John's knee. She's just she's going nuts. So I think like once it's it's nice enough that she can just like jump her heart out uh in one of these things outside, I think she's just going to have a a real ball uh, being out in the fresh air and being able to do that. And that'll be that'll be really nice. Yeah. Okay, we'll um maybe uh start wrapping it up a little bit here yeah okay we'll wrap it up here thanks to whoever uh listened to this Mm -hmm. for uh listening Mm -hmm. and uh like i said before don't know when we're gonna get around to recording another one of these but uh you never know yeah could be sooner could be later if we do anything uh interesting we'll uh we'll keep you apprised that's about it thanks for listening thanks for listening we'll catch you later bye Bye bye-bye